Welcome to the Laser Lounge Podcast, which is a podcast for laser engraving business owners and hobbyists, both Gantry and Galvo. We are here to answer makers' questions, hear others' makers' stories, provide expertise on certain topics, and in general, discuss how to help your business or hobby grow. Myself, Alicia Pate, and Nate Armstrong will host special guests in the laser lounge industry, or we may even just cover technical topics ourselves. You will be benefited by hopefully learning something new about a technique or process, or even just listening to another maker's own experience of what is working for them. We hope you enjoy our podcast. You can find us online in Facebook at the Laser Lounge at Pate Ranch or on YouTube at the Laser Lounge at Pate Ranch. Come join us and learn something new today. Special thank you to our show sponsors, Thunder Laser USA and Rotoboss Rotary Attachments. Now let's get to today's show. All right. Hey, community, laser community, welcome back to a live stream in the Laser Lounge. Uh, we've got a special guest with us today, and uh, we'll get to our introductions in a second, but I just wanted to welcome May Armstrong. Here we are back again on the Monday lunchtime, and uh, our special guest today is Jason Dory. So appreciate all of you that are out there. I know we had a, um, quite a few said they were going to come today, so we're looking Looking forward to this. I know May and I have been looking to get some time with you, Jason, for what six months now. So we're glad we oh. could we could work it out. Yeah. Hello. So good. Good to be here. Good morning. Awesome. Welcome. So what I'd like to do today is I've got a kind of a short agenda that's going to lead us in uh, kind of our time today. And so just want I want to show you. Let's do kind of a, an introduction and an icebreaker before we get going. So, Jason, first thing. What do you like to do on your weekends? Like if you had your ideal weekend that you could go do anything you want, what is a typical weekend like look like with you at your household? Um, typical weekend would be snowboarding, mountain biking, going for a hike somewhere, something like that. Um, I tend to like to do um, makey things as well as physical things and try to mix mm -hmm. it up. Um, and so since starting Lightburn, a lot of the makey things are kind of related to the company stuff. So um, my girlfriend and I, or friends of mine and I will go like snowboarding or mountain biking or hiking or that kind of thing. Take the dog for a walk in the neighborhood through like, uh, we've got a couple of bird sanctuaries around here that are kind of fun for the dog. Uh, that kind of thing. Awesome. That's nice. Oh. Outdoors kind of type person. What about you, May? Um, well, I stay pretty busy with the three active boys. And so lately, our favorite is going to all the tournaments. It always happens on our, you know, long weekends. And so weekend trips, going somewhere, spending, you know, a couple of nights here and there watching them play is like our biggest joy right now. And like what Jason said, I like to make things and that's when creativity sometimes, you know, happen on the weekend. And I don't know why it's purely accidental. I think during the week, you know, you're so focused doing, you know, A, B and C. And it's just like, you know, it's, it's hard to focus. But I don't know, weekend, especially Friday, Saturday, it's kind of like my go to creativity moment when I get some inspiration going. Um, yeah. So spending time with my family, doing whatever the heck they want. <laughs> Very nice. Good answers. Yeah. I think I'd agree with y'all. I'm, I'm an outdoorsy person too. And, and also with the making, I, I guess it's in our blood, right? If, if I had time, I'd probably go do something with James, you know, get around, go see him, maybe some wineries around the area. But I also like that's when we get our creative moment, right? You just go in your shop and start making things. So awesome. So nice little icebreaker. I just kind of wanted to get that out there. We have fun with those in the early part, these live streams, and I, I thought we'd bring it back. So Jason, welcome to the Laser Lounge live stream. Tell us a little bit about yourself more before we get into your work history. Uh, a little bit about myself. Um, I'm 50, 50 two now, I think. Uh, so I'm probably older than most people think I am. <laughs> um, um, I have a lot of lasers. <laughs> we just talked about that before the stream started, actually. Yeah. Um, How um, many lasers do you have? Oh, gosh. I, well, I counted in my, <laughs> in my shop here uh, in the office behind me or around me are about nine. And then on the shop floor are, 
I don't know, easily that many more. And then some, if you're including diode lasers. Um, but uh, um, I've been making for a long time. Um, I've, I've been a software engineer pretty much my whole life. And uh, more recently, probably around my 30s, mid 30s, um, started building stuff, uh, working on digital electronics, drones. Uh, I, I flew model airplanes for a while, model helicopters. And uh, when drones started becoming a thing, so this would have been like 2005-ish, um, mm -hmm. I was like, those are cool. I have to figure out how to make those. How do I make those? And so made a CNC machine, found some plans online, like started there and then started building things like furniture with it and like yeah. little random hobby parts and got into digital electronics, started making my own drones, flight controllers, stuff like that. So um, I, I will go into all kinds of random directions while I'm nerding out. And like <laughs> but you're just, a maker at heart. So that's oh, yeah. where I should go in. So what yeah, was your first it. machine, you know, to help you make things like your, you know, to get in, get you in that mindset and, and maker going? Uh, a CNC machine. Um, CNC. So it had a, like a roto zip, which is basically a Dremel, um, but a little bigger, yeah. um, mounted to uh, rails made of plumber pipe, um, <laughs> roller skate bearings, two by four, two by six. Oh like gosh. it was... It was plans that I got online for like 50 bucks. Um, it actually worked surprisingly well. Um, it had a bunch of parts that were um, like aluminum that you just bent into the right shapes and stuff like that. And it, it felt janky as heck, but it actually worked really well. And I made the cheap one and the small one first because I was like, I have a bad habit of collecting hobbies and then not actually yeah. doing them. <laughs> So, you know, I'd go out and, oh, this is a cool thing. I'll buy that. I'll make that. And then I'd ignore it. And so I bought the cheap one thinking, if I like it, I'll use that to help me make another one. If I don't like it, then, you know, I didn't, I'm not out much. Um, yeah. Ended up liking it and used it to help build a big one that was serious, like steel welded frame, uh, four foot by five foot cutting area. I made like coffee tables and things with it and, um, so really in the woodworking industry side of the house, just making furniture and things well, like it was, that. Well, it was all kinds of random stuff. Like I made a self-balancing skateboard and I used oh. the CNC machine to cut out the, the deck for it. Um, made a uh, bed cabinet, like a cabinet for the foot of our bed, um, but with a TV lift in yeah. it. So you hit the button on the remote and the TV rises oh, yeah, up out of cool. the cabinet. <laughs> Um, I made a dog bed, I made a coffee table, I made fan blades for our ceiling fan, stuff like that. But I also used to make like electronics parts, drone yeah. parts, stuff like that. So you remind me of, you know, the, a new thing now is called Tinker Crate. And so it reminds me of, you know, kind of like you, your evolution as a tinkerer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're a uh, serious tinkerer and I'm, I'm really loving your backstory. Absolutely. It, it, it's been fun. So great. So let's talk a little bit before uh, a little bit before Lightburn, like, you know, very high level what you're doing. I, I was looking through your your LinkedIn and and one of the things that drew my attention is you've done a lot in the gaming industry. Yeah. Um, so a lot of uh, development, et cetera. So just at a high level uh, hit kind of what you did prior to Lightburn. Um, so I started in video games in, uh, I want to say September, October of 1993. So it's been a while. Um, and I worked, uh, as a developer on, um, originally starting on the Sega Genesis and then like everything from there forward. Uh, so the original Xbox and PlayStation one, PlayStation two, Xbox 360, like, you know, so on and so on and so on. All the Nintendo platforms like GameCube and Dolphin, <clears throat> um, and as well as PC titles. Um, primarily in video games, I was doing uh, rendering engines as well as uh, tool pipelines. So mm -hmm. if if you have a if you have an Xbox or a PlayStation, um, you need a way to get graphics and stuff that artists create to make the characters and the backgrounds and all of that into the game. They don't use like PNGs and JPEGs. They use whatever mm -hmm. the hardware is looking for. And so data pipelines are 
here's a texture that I made in Photoshop converted into something that I can use on an Xbox or a PlayStation, or here's a model I made in 3D Studio or mm -hmm. uh, some other 3D modeling package, get it into a format that runs fast on this console. And so I did a lot of that. And because of that, I worked with a lot of artists. Uh, so even though I'm very technical and engineering minded myself, I've been exposed to and worked with a lot of very creative types, very artistic types, people who you know, were fantastic at what they did, but not necessarily super technical. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that honestly helped a lot when I started working on Lightburn because it was the same kind of thing. You have people who are very creative, but not necessarily very technical, and you're trying mm -hmm. to help them, you know, take their vision out of their head and into a machine. So. I, I think that's powerful to be able to understand both sides of it. Yeah. Um, because, you know, to be able to bridge that and say, well, how would an artist use this application mm -hmm. as opposed to an engineer and how it needs to be coded? So I think that's a, a strong plus on your behalf. It helps. And it's, I find uh, a lot of software written by engineers is not organized well or not organized intuitively. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you'll see a lot of things made by people who have technical backgrounds that are very functional and they yeah, do what yeah. they're supposed to, but they can be cumbersome to use and they don't have a good flow or feel to them. And that that's a really hard thing sometimes to quantify. Mm -hmm. so. I think your sense of style is, is very evident with, you know, like what you've created because you've taken the complicated and made it um, easy to understand and digest and I feel like and you know as much as you know design world is complicated and then you introduce the world of laser and being able to communicate and transfer that data and have the output that you want I think you've you've bridged something that something beautiful and that's why you're so popular thank you we try I, I am still an engineer so there are times where I definitely fail but um, my girlfriend is a graphic designer um, so okay. she's, got, she's got, a, that. A, yeah, she's got a degree in graphic design. She made the dragon logo. She set up the initial oh, website, nice. did a lot of like our packaging and our branding and that kind of thing. So she's sort of the go-to for anything visual and she mm -hmm. gives me feedback a lot. Um, and that helps too. So, you know, if I have a question or I'm like, I don't know if this feels right, I'll get her to look at it or some of the other creative people that are, you know, on our team and, um, now. But originally, it, there was no team. It was just me and her and, you know, a couple of ragtag volunteers helping out with some documentation or testing or things like that. So, so that's a great segue into the next section is actually Lightburn. So uh, from research, it looks like you started around 2019. How did it come about? Were you just like, hey, I'm going to make this or you know, just kind of tell us a little bit of the evolution of it, if you don't mind? So um, I mentioned that I was working in games. Um, mm -hmm. I got offered a job at Apple. And we moved from an area that had a high cost of living to an area that had an exorbitantly high cost of living. <laughs> and so we had, to, we had to downsize. And so we, we went from uh, a house with a garage to a condo with like a one car garage. And that CNC I'll machine that I made. probably triple the price of the house. <laughs> just about, yeah. So the, the CNC machine that I built, I didn't have room for. So I rehomed it with a friend of mine. He found out that I was moving and he was like, hey, if, if you need a place for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I gave it to him. Um, and when I, when I moved, I bought a laser cutter because it was physically smaller and didn't need dust collection and all of the other stuff that goes with a CNC machine. Um, and I thought I could, you know, I could use it and still make stuff. And the software that it came with was RD works and I used it and it worked, but kind of like I mentioned, it was clunky and cumbersome. And there were a bunch of things that it just, it didn't have that it should have. Like you could only undo, a, you know, a few, t like I think 10 levels deep. You couldn't group more than one level deep. There were a lot of hotkeys missing. Like there was no hotkey for import. It didn't support drag mm -hmm. and drop. You know, it just, it felt cumbersome. And I was okay with it. Tried to show my girlfriend how to use it. And she was just like, what the heck is this? I hate this. I never want to touch this again. And so that sort of, gave me the the bug to just like oh, yeah. I wonder how how hard would it actually be to mm -hmm. talk to this machine and have it accept something from me instead of from its own software and I just started pulling mm -hmm. at threads and 
here we are. <laughs> so, yeah, there was a while where it was just a thing for me um, and for her. And I was posting updates about it on Facebook, a couple of the groups that I was in for, you know, people who are interested in laser stuff. And, yeah, yeah. you know, there were people online who were like, that's kind of cool. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to sell it? Are you going to open source that? Is that, yeah. a, you know, and, and the more that happened, the more it was like, I might actually Wait have something here. Yeah. <laughs> and I still didn't know at that time if I was even going to be able to get the machine to accept a job from me. Right. Um, like I started with RD files. So the file that you send to the laser, you can just save yeah. it on disk. And so I wrote a little tool to open it and kind of, you know, poke through it and figured out sort of where the stuff was and mm -hmm. just started like, you know, with rearranging the the cuts in a different order and then gave that to the machine and ran it. And that worked. I was like, okay, so that's a start <laughs> and just kept going from there. That's cool. Yeah. I, I don't even, I, I guess I got my first machine, the mirror, it was about four years ago. I didn't even open RD works. It was like, mm -hmm. no questions asked. We just, everybody went straight to light burn. It's not yeah. I mean, even now it's like, that's the go-to. So yeah. Well, I, yeah, I remember when I started with my laser journey, I was gifted a Glowforge and obviously that was totally different because it's, you know, cloud-based and all I needed to do was just import my illustrator files and I was done. Yeah. Did you lose her mic? I think she did. Yeah. I thought it was me for a second. Yeah. I can't hear Mike. You're, I mean, uh, May, your May. mic went out. She was oh, talking. Oh, my mic went out. Can you hear mic. me? Yes, we can. Yeah, now. we got you back okay, now. Sorry. I must have hit it. I was, <laughs> yeah. These well, are, I, I have the same mic and there's a little mute button on. Yes. If you bump. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what she no, did. Sorry about that. that. Anyway, no. So I, I going back about first lasers, I had the Glowforge. I don't know where I stopped, but I just I just remember it was cloud-based, and I would import my files from you know creating a PDF and importing it to the web-based software. Um, it was kind of like annoying to do, and sometimes you know there will be some. Uh, I don't know downtime, and you know something would happen. I, I remember it was not user-friendly for me because I want instantaneous result. I'm, I'm very yeah. impatient when it comes to stuff like that. And then I tried Lightburn with, you know, my new laser after Glowforge. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. So much easier to import things. And I just discovered that you can copy and paste from Illustrator, which was kind of mm -hmm. like my blowing. And I'm like, that is such a time-saving tool because now I can create my outlines in illustrator yeah. and paste it in Lightburn, and yeah, that's just that one was a happy accident believe it or not um illustrator puts information onto the clipboard in svg format and because we import svgs um if you paste in Lightburn, it looks to see what it is that you're trying to paste and if it recognizes the format so like if you copy from notepad just a, a mm -hmm. chunk of text you can paste yeah. the text into Lightburn and it'll just land as text. And if you have oh. a PNG file or something like, or if you're looking on Google image search and you see something there, you can right click it and say, copy the image and you can paste it into Lightburn because it will recognize mm -hmm. the format as, oh, this is an image. And oddly enough, like when you import an SVG file, it just looks at what's the format and it sees, oh, that's an SVG. But if you paste from Illustrator, it's the same. And so we, barely had to do anything at all to make that work. It was crazy. It was, well, it was, I was really, really surprised. brilliant. I use it all the time. I feel like it saves, you know, it will save me a bunch of renditions of the file because then I can tweak it to my liking because 90% of my work will come out, you know, through Lightburn and then laser it, right? And so yeah. to me, that's a big saving. So thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> Absolutely. And it looks like some of our users or some of our listeners here, that's kind of a new one for them. So Great little point to add there. So how did you go from you and your girlfriend kind of playing around with this and something is starting to happen to, okay, this is a real business and we need to start hiring people and kind of ramping this up. What did that look like? Um, that happened pretty slowly. It was initially, like I said, myself and my girlfriend, uh, as soon as we noticed people started or starting to pay attention, um, we kind of, you know, went back and like, 
okay, well, how do we sell this to people? What do we need? Like we mm -hmm. need a website, we'd need, uh, you know, some way to actually sell it. We'd need license keys, some kind of a licensing system. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've tried to do software on the honor system before and it did not go well. <laughs> so, um, um, so I just started, you know, finding like found the license provider that worked and would scale up. There were a bunch of license provider systems that wanted an initial buy-in of like thousands of dollars. And for something that I wasn't even sure we were going to be able to pull off, that was mm -hmm. too much. So we found a company that had, um, are you familiar with Shopify? Because Shopify yeah. is a web, like a web platform mm -hmm. for sales and yeah. they have a very nice kind of tiered system where mm -hmm. it's like, if you're, new and not selling anything they charge you almost nothing and yes. then as you grow you know their their pricing system grows with you and the licensing system was very much like that so it was if you're you know less than 100 licenses it's free if you're you know between 100 and a thousand it's this many dollars a month if you're yeah. between a thousand and ten thousand it's this many and so on and it it grew with the business and that was a big help um and so my girlfriend and i came up with a name um just bouncing ideas back and forth. Um, originally it was called J laser because it was just the thing that I was working on for me and it, <laughs> it was stupid. Um, so it needed a better name, you know, and then after coming up with Lightburn, we were actually watching game of Thrones and there's a scene in mm -hmm. game of Thrones where one of the dragons flies over a row of, uh, like caravans and knights and so on. And just, you know, blasts the heck out of them with a big yeah. ball of fire. And, while watching that, I, I commented, man, that thing's got a hell of a kerf. And then we both sort of, wait, dragons. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how the dragon logo came to be. So Okay, that's awesome. I love the backstory like that. Yeah, so that was fun. And then, yeah, we, we basically went live, um, I, I want to say uh, January of 2018 um was mm -hmm. the first sales and it started as a trickle and you know slowly grew over time and then we got to the point where we had a bunch of like people who were helping writing documentation beta testing mm -hmm. stuff like that just kind of a volunteer community because we were very very small yeah. and when it got to the point where we were making enough money that you know i was comfortable having a salary and having a buffer you know yeah. i hired a guy to help uh with development um as a contractor and then mm -hmm. you know we got a little bigger it went a little longer and i asked him like i feel like i'm comfortable at this point enough that i could offer you full-time employment i have no idea how to even do that like i don't have a you know proper accounting i have no idea how to do payroll i yeah. don't know how to do a 401k or you know healthcare, or any of that i'll figure all that stuff out is this something you'd be interested in and so that was our first hire. And it was like he and I kind of together figured some of those things out. And uh, that was just before the start of the pandemic. Um, okay. So like I, I hired Adam, gosh, like maybe six months before, uh, before the pandemic really got rolling to a year, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And, you know, so he left a, a cushy corporate gig working yeah. for Red Hat to come work for me. And and Red his time Hat is couldn't... here. Is it? Yeah, yeah, it's here in North Carolina. Oh, it's right. You're in North Carolina. So is he? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so that's, a, that's a good story. Go ahead, May. I'm, yes. I'm curious to know, you know, think obviously we didn't know that a pandemic would happen. And then no. here you are, um, you know, about to start a company and hiring, you know, thinking of hiring people. Were you like scared or you thought, okay, this is, there's a lot of promise here and I can see there's some growth. I'm going to stick to it and let's see how, how it's going the, to go. The pandemic happened um, after we were up and running for a while. Uh -huh. And, um, and when I hired Adam, it was, I'd, I'd have to actually check the dates, but I'm pretty sure like it was, it predated, it predated the pandemic by at least a little bit, not a whole lot, but uh, a uh -huh. bit. And it was when it happened, when it started to get really serious, like we're, we're, um, in Connecticut about an hour, hour and a half outside of New York. And so 
for a while, New York was an epicenter. Like there were, you know, refrigeration trucks outside of morgues because they didn't have enough room for bodies, things like that. Like it was terrible. And yeah. with that happening nearby, you know, we were, everybody was worried about it. Um, a lot of yeah. people were freaking out, you know, like what's going to happen with the laser industry. There were problems with sh shipping, um, yeah. global supply chains, manufacturing in China, because China was kind of where the, the, the center of the outbreak happened. Um, and so a lot of China was on lockdown for a while. And it was like, are people going to be making lasers in six months? Like if nobody's making lasers, I'm not selling software for them. That's kind of kind of necessary. So yeah, it was scary. Um, and we saw sales dip briefly for a little while, not horribly, but you know, they were definitely mm -hmm. on, on kind of a decline. And then something interesting happened. Everybody was at home bored in mm -hmm. lockdown looking for a new hobby. And right around yep. that same time, uh, I want to say Ortur was probably one of the first. Um, they are a company that makes diode lasers. Mm -hmm. And they're not that expensive. Like, you know, the, the kind of investment you put into something like a Thunder or an Aeon, you know, that kind of thing. You're talking tens of thousands yeah. of dollars, potentially. Um, mm -hmm. A diode laser, you can get a smallish one for two to three hundred bucks. And we mm -hmm. sell a version of Lightburn for them that is also cheaper. And so those machines they started to sell and they started to sell fast and people were buying Lightburn to go with them. So we actually saw our sales increase during the pandemic um, by a pretty big margin. Like it jumped quite a bit. Um, so my girlfriend and I were just like, okay, that's not expected, but I'm not going to argue with it. So let's just, you know, head down and keep cranking away at this. And here we are. <laughs> so. Yeah, it, it took off like crazy. And I can only imagine from your side of it as being one of the primary software applications that that run the commands that because we, we know how many people bought lasers in the industry and of our friends mm -hmm. and how it's exploded. It It's definitely wonderful growth for you and your company. Yeah. So so you were primarily doing the diode. Then you start getting over to the CO2 gantry. Oh, we started with we started with CO2. So I started with okay. a Ruida and then okay. the pandemic happened and all of those diodes, you know, kind of exploded. And we were also supporting uh, diode lasers when we mm -hmm. started. So when Lightburn mm -hmm. first released, it was primarily for Ruida users and for people mm -hmm. who had uh, G code based machines, small okay. like small hobby lasers. Um, and one of the first companies to sell Lightburn with their hardware uh, was Darkly Labs. And they make a little uh, diode laser primarily for the education market. Um, they're out of Australia. I sent them an early copy of Lightburn by email, just like, hey, I noticed you're using Smoothieware for your machine. See if this works, because if it does, mm -hmm. it would be cool. We can put a little checkbox, yeah. you know, on our packaging that says it supports your machine. And, you know, I got an email the next day. Can we call you? <laughs> <laughs> and the software that they were using, they weren't happy with, and they were yeah. curious to see if we could make Lightburn work for them. And so they were like very, very early on adopters of Lightburn. They helped us grow and get to the point where we are. That's no, awesome. That. I know what's nice. Sorry. Yeah, it's a great story to hear. I think what's nice about your software is that you can either use it as a standalone, you know, usage for the instructions for the laser, or you can design in it. And I think mm -hmm. that's what is nice about it. May and I both primarily design in Adobe Illustrator, but the, we know so many people that they're just like, well, I'm in Lightburn. It does everything I need to do. So I don't yeah. need to go get another application and it, and it works for them. Right. And so yeah. I think the changes that you're putting in that are more from a designer aspect are beneficial to that community. That's primarily just using it for their main design uh, software and their laser controller. Yeah, it was, it was never intended to be that. Um, it was originally modeled after RD Works. RD Works does not mm -hmm. have great design facility, but it's meant as laser control software and it was primarily targeted at industry, not mm -hmm. users. Um, and so when we started Lightburn, that was the focus. We wanted to make something that was very, very similar to RD Works in terms of functionality. So that, you know, functionality and layout so the people from that software could migrate easily and wouldn't have a huge learning curve ahead. And then more and more people in the diode space were using it. And those people often can't afford something as expensive as Adobe. If it's not a business, yeah. you know, you're either working with Inkscape or 
you know, other freeware packages or things like that, something cheaper. And now we yeah. have affinity designer and things like that, yeah. which are good, but we didn't at the time. And yeah, so we, we, we started adding more of the design features in Lightburn. And I'm honestly surprised at how, how much more of that has happened because it, it wasn't intended. It was just, you know, people started asking, well, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you bend text? Can I, you know, yeah. do these other things? And so we're like, okay, if that's what people want, we'll do it. So yeah, a couple you, questions I want to make sure I hit on. And then, sorry, May. Sure. I'll, I'll... No, I, there was there was one here that I, I think Jason mentioned it before, but I don't know if they're referring to uh, uh, CO2 or something else. They're just wondering what kind of laser did you have first? Like what brand? They're interested about the brand. Um, I think it was an OM tech. Um, it was right. at the time called Kehui, K-E-H-U-I. And it was the red and black, like hundred watt CO two from eBay. Um, so yeah, I bought I bought a red and black off of eBay for like twenty nice. five hundred bucks. It matches the logo. But, yeah, exactly, exactly. So we have um, the Lightburn software, and we were primarily, I guess, at first on a PC um, PC hardware, and then we start supporting um, Mac hardware, or what? Yeah, it was. I think it was PC and Mac first. And then we added support for Linux um, not too long after we got going. Uh, Lightburn mm -hmm. is built on a platform framework called Qt or Qt. Mm -hmm. It's actually pronounced Qt, but I could not bring myself to say that. Um, and yeah. Qt has support for, um, like it provides basically a common way that you talk to your operating system. So we build Lightburn in Qt and we say, you know, put a button here, put a widget there, put a drop down up here. And Qt is the thing that handles talking to the operating system to make that happen. Um, so it takes some of the burden off of us. And because Qt also supports Linux, and there wasn't really anything for users in Linux at the time, uh, we figured we'd give it a try. And Linux is sort of a best effort for us. It's not like it's about 1.5% of our customer base. So it's, it's pretty small. Um, yeah. Mac is about 15% and windows is the rest. Really? Yeah. That surprises me. Maybe just because I have a siloed view, I'm a Mac person. <laughs> so I assume yeah. everyone, not everyone, but a yeah. lot of like Macs are more expensive than PCs. Like if you are a hobby user with a diode, um, and you're budget conscious, um, mm -hmm. buying a Mac can be kind of, you know, a little bit out of scope. Um, mm -hmm. And it yeah. also depends on where you are in the world. Um, like True. in the U.S., our dollar is stronger than you know people in Brazil, people in yep. Spain. You know. No, that's a, that's a good point to make. So uh, let's talk about then. The, I call it fairly new, but I guess it's been almost a year now, right? No, it was six months. The Galvo. Yeah, it's been about six months, yeah. Yeah, because because I can tell you from a user standpoint, May and I got our first fibers at the same time. And they real mine collected dust until that came out. Because I just was like, I yeah. think I put EasyCat on twice, and I'm like, this kind of blows. I'm not using this. I'm gonna wait. And everyone yeah. was like, it's coming, it's coming. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, that one was scary because again, that was one of those. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to pull it off. Things um, mm -hmm. I had been, I had a fiber, and had been kind of pulling at threads on that one for a while. My original hope was that we'd be able to use the driver that comes with EasyCAD and just go mm -hmm. through their driver mm -hmm. and I couldn't make it work. Like I tried for over a year, um, you know, and not continuously, but every so often I would, you know, pick it back up and yeah. go pull at it again. And it, it, I got close, but I never got it to work. And so finally I just yanked their driver and was like, all right, to heck with this. I'll just put in my own driver to talk directly to the hardware. And it immediately started working and talking to me and, then it was a matter of, okay, now we have to figure out what all the controls are, get, you know, uh, they, the computer talks to the machine in a language that is just binary. And so yeah. you have, you have to capture all of this data and then go wading through it and try to figure out what it all means. And that's Speak the fun bit. language. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's, you know, you start with draw a square. You know, yeah. that is exactly an, a known size. And then you change the size of the square and see what the commands, you know, come out as, see what changes, change a power value somewhere, change a timing value somewhere, stuff like mm -hmm. that, and start looking at like what's changing. Um, so it took a while. And that's honestly why 
the fiber version is more expensive than the uh, G code version or the DSP version because it was considerably harder to do. Um, it's worth it for me. Um, you know, I hated EasyCAD. <laughs> like I hated it. I did um, immerse myself into it and kind of like learning and, you know, obviously watching Alex's video. He's very good at explaining things. And it's just, it was not sticking in my brain. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's one of those <laughs> things where I also look at, you know, what did the machine cost? If you buy a yeah. diode laser for $300, you know, charging you a hundred dollars for the software would be too much. If you yeah. buy a CO2 laser for a thousand dollars, charging you a hundred dollars for the software, it's, you know, it's not so bad. And fibers tend to be about the same price point as, uh, the CO2 lasers, um, or a little higher depending, um, depending on what you get. So I was comfortable charging the amount we do. Um, but it's, yeah. you know, we, we try to be price conscious because we are competing with free, like EasyCAD comes with the machine and, yeah. you know, so it's, it's free in that it's subsidized. It's part of the cost sure. of the, of the hardware and RD works is similar. You know, there's, there's always a, a free option available. So we can't, or I don't want to price ourselves too high. Um, we want to make it accessible for people, but we also have to, you know, pay for the pay work the that we do and pay the, yeah, yeah, yeah. pay the developers I mean and. I, I think it's 100% reasonable and I, I, I'm super appreciative, especially, you know, getting used to light burn and doing what I need to do. And then now adding all the Galvo lasers that I have and having the flexibility of just, you know, having all of them at the same format. I don't have to like jump from one thing to yeah. another and yeah. I'm a Mac user. I don't have a PC. I do, but I don't really use it. So you it don't would want it. Yeah. I, no. I mean, I really don't want to do it. And so to me, there's a disconnect when it comes to like performance, like my productivity too throughout the day. I'm not as efficient as a designer and as a production person, you know, that does laser work. It's not yeah. as efficient to me, but having light burn for Galvo, it's like, Thank you so much. <laughs> even even before we had the Galvo version available, I heard that same uh, sentiment from a couple of users that we have who have uh, production companies. So there's a company in California that has a bunch of uh, CO2 machines and they run some on RD Works and some on uh, LaserCAD, which is the Trosen controller software. And mm -hmm. prior to Lightburn, they would have to train their operators on the eccentricities of whatever that software was for each machine. So they'd have design mm -hmm. files, they'd load them into whichever machine they were trying to cut on. They'd have to set up the settings appropriately. And each of those machines has slightly different ways that they work. Lightburn makes those two machines behave basically the same. And so now they just have Lightburn files and they just teach their operators how to use Lightburn and they don't really have to know what the differences between the machines yeah. are too much because they all basically work the same way under Lightburn. And so that helped them be more efficient with their staff. And that was even before, you know, we had people running diode lasers, NCO2 lasers and Galvo lasers all from the same thing. Like it, it's nice yeah. to be able to stay in the same interface and, you know, have- Correct at least some of it be the same. Like there's enough difference with Galvos and CO2s and diodes. Like, you know, th the software has to behave differently, um, but you can keep a lot of it similar. So, yeah, no, it's, it's very, I mean, I, I like the similarities cause uh, I'm running six lasers in here and it's nice to be able to know the yeah. same application, even though there's a little nuance with the Galvo. Yeah. So in, in the in the laser groups, specifically on the Galvo side, when we're in some of these Facebook groups, people are, are I wouldn't say confused, but they, they don't know that right now with the software, the EasyCAD 2 and 3 boards are a little different with mm -hmm. what's supported by the software. I have heard that, e that you guys are going to start supporting EasyCAD 3 after some more beta testing, but I just wanted to clear that, that up just to get... It's, it's more, um, I don't know if we can support EasyCAD 3 at this point. So okay. I've got a machine here behind me, that one, the yeah. Blue Thunder, that's an Aurora Pro. That is a, an EasyCAD 3-based machine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've done some initial kind of poking at the communication between the PC and the laser. Um, there's there's a bunch of numbers in there that I don't know what they mean. And if they did something like 
um, included a check or a, like a, a checksum or a calculation or something that is like encryption, um, yep. then we may not be able to support it. So I don't know. I'm not going to know until I actually get to the point where I start trying to talk to it. Um, right okay. now, I'm still just kind of picking it apart. Um, but it is possible for a company to prevent us from talking to their hardware um, or make it difficult enough that it's not worth it. Um, okay, if, well, that's good to know because we try to answer these questions sometimes for people yeah. and at least we're going to be knowledgeable. I want to call this comment out. And a lot of people do feel this way. We're very appreciative to you and, and your team and, and then what y'all are doing because it makes a, a big difference on our end as users of it if it's a good piece of software or not. So appreciate all, all the work you've done here. Thank you. Uh, so as we're cruising along here, I'm going to get us back to our agenda because I want to show, I want to call out a few things and share some things. So the development and deployment process. I know a lot of people that aren't used to software development or working for a company that, that makes software. They're not used to the iteration process and how these things work, right? And so they're like, well, something's broken. Why isn't it fixed tomorrow? <laughs> or <laughs> when is this coming? Or how do I get you know a new input to, to you guys to say, hey, it would be great if you had this feature. Um, so just very high level, kind of give a summary, like how y'all do things, you know, and when y'all plan to, drop new releases? Is it based on bugs? Is it based on, okay, we've got a major feature coming just, just so the users know this is kind of how it works behind the scenes. Um, so uh, we don't have a rigid schedule. Um, software is, software is a lot of unknowns, especially when you're working with hardware. That's not like we didn't make the hardware. I can't mm -hmm. change the hardware. So I have to work within the constraints of the existing hardware and within what we have. Like we've got a lot of existing users of Lightburn out there. If we change anything too drastically all at once, we're probably going to bother some of those people um, or break someone's way of working, that kind of thing. So we try to be conscious of how we put new features in, how much we change in, at any given moment. Um, and then it's a matter of, is it stable right now? Um, if mm -hmm. we are in the middle of, you know, tearing out a whole bunch of the insides so that we can change something, like say you, you know, you drive a Ford and you decide to put a Lamborghini engine in it. That's not a small process. You have to yeah. rip out the old engine, you know, figure out how to mate all the parts together, put the new one in, mount it, get it all working. If somewhere along that process, your girlfriend decides she needs to take the car to go to the corner store, she's kind of screwed. <laughs> and similar for us, if we are in the process of, you know, tearing something out so that we can add new features or support something new that's coming, we can't just drop that and, you know, fix a few bugs and do an instant release. Yeah. Um, so we will typically have a copy of the code called a branch um, mm -hmm. that is the last release that we did. And whatever's new and coming, we're working on in parallel with it. And if bugs show up that we can fix in the branch, we'll do them there. Um, but if they're too big or you know too impactful, maybe we might wait for the next release. So we actually have a 1.3.02 patch release coming very soon. Um, I've basically okay. been holding off just to make sure that there's not anything else left. And we found a couple of sort of niggling little bugs. Um, yeah. But that'll probably come out fairly soon. And then the 1.4 release uh, is one of those where, you know, we've torn the engine out and we're replacing it. So we're going to be a little while yet with that one. So what I want the, the, the viewers here that are seeing this live visually, if you go to the Lightburn uh, main page here, there's the news and blog post. And this is where you can dig through and find the release notes. You can click on this stuff and it'll show you you know, what, what's in it, what was changed. And mm -hmm. some of you that aren't from, you know, the nerdy software world, I kind of am, so I kind of get it. Um, it's, it's often nice to go in here and I've gone through here and, and found there's, oh man, I didn't know that there was that awesome feature they just rolled out that yeah. maybe isn't as public to you. I think mm -hmm. when they did the, the center finder, which is probably my most used um, tool that's kind of cool, that's where I saw it, right? Um, so you can go here on the page and, and see where that is. And I know there's some people that don't upgrade to some of the latest versions. Um, they just stick with, you know, what's working. I know sometimes there's a scare, like something will break. Mm -hmm. um, I always try to advise them at least jump up to the newest main rev, right? Cause there's yeah. some big features that have been done. If you don't want to 
stick with the with the smaller increments. I, I get uh, that, but the uh, the smaller increments are actually the more important ones. Um, okay. So if you have upgraded to say 1.2.00 mm -hmm. um, and you haven't moved forward from that one, you should go to at least 1.2.04, for example, because the okay. the last number is a patch number. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when we do a release like 1.2, if somebody comes back and says, hey, this broke or this crashed or something, mm -hmm. we will fix those and we'll update that as a patch release. So that would be 1.2.01 or 1.2.02 gotcha. or whatever. Those are only fixes. And then the next jump to 1.3 is we've added a bunch of new features. We've changed a bunch of stuff that's bigger and it's not just bug fixes. It's we mm -hmm. added a hotkey okay. editor, we added this, we added that. Yeah. The, yeah. the big releases are probably more likely to have new crashes or new bugs. The mm -hmm. patch releases, they really just fix stuff that was broken. So you should at least try to go forward to a patch. And we have every single release we've ever done is available on our website to download. So if you install a version and you hate it, you can always go back to the old yeah. one. Even if you don't keep it, you can find yeah. it on our website, download it, install it. And we try really hard to keep the file formats interoperable. So if we change something every once in a while, we have to break something. But usually if you try to load a new file on an older version of Lightburn, mm -hmm. it will actually work. Yeah. That's good to know. That. I appreciate that. Go ahead, May. No, I have done that. I have, you know, upgraded to the latest, but then there was something happened in between that, um, you know, didn't translate. And so I had to go back to what I had before. And it's a nice resource that you could just, you know, go to the website and it's there. Um, everything lives there, you know, from the forums. I use that um, occasionally. Um, I remember last year I had some sort of glitch with my uh, fiber laser. I was engraving a cup and it was just in great uh, rotating infinity rotate <laughs> infinite rotation. <laughs> and then on top of that, there was some sort of marching lines going across. And I remember copying and pasting something within the software and I sent it to an email. I can't remember who I sent it to. Uh, it was a light, light burn uh, support. Probably support, yeah. Yeah, and then I was like, oh my gosh, how can they read through all that? But I'm sure you guys have it figured out. And they, uh, they said, I think it's just, you know, because it was communicating with EasyCAD. Um, it's an occasional glitch that happens. And so after that, I'm like, oh, well, let me just unplug everything and then install everything and it fixed itself. So... I don't know what happened there. You know, I, I think this is what I like to tell people because in my day job, I'm in a digital transformation and we, we are rolling out new software releases and updates. You have to be somewhat patient with it, right? So you're getting to use something that's making it better, but there will always be, I hate to use yeah. we're always, but there may be something there that's like, okay, something funky happened because they can't test every freaking scenario. No, I mean, they don't know how old my Mac is. Yeah, yeah software, software, software is is hard to, to make perfect. Like it's, it really is. It's extremely complicated. We've got hundreds yeah. of thousands of lines of code. We support, you know, probably a dozen different types of machine at this point and testing mm -hmm. every possible combination of what computer you have, how you're connected to the machine, what the machine yeah. is, um, as well as what features you're using in combination with each other. Sometimes yeah. there's interplays yeah. with the features themselves yeah. that will cause problems. And so the best we can do is try to be very, very responsive with bugs. And we do like we take bug reports seriously. If you have a crash and you send us a crash report, we look at it. We try to figure out what's wrong and get it fixed. And so that's what those patch releases are is every time we fix something, you know, we collect up a few fixes in a row and we release a patch. Um, and we try really hard to take them seriously. Yeah, and, no, um, I think that's the key takeaways for people just to kind of be patient. And the more information they can probably provide you, yes. it probably is helpful. Yes. Saying <laughs> it crashed. What did I do wrong? Yeah. Help, help me. <laughs> yes. I do appreciate though. I don't know when it happened, but for whatever reason, um, I remember as a Mac user, there's always some sort of authentication issue there where I have to go in and approve everything and then give it some, I don't know, a few clicks and then Lightburn works. So I don't know what you guys did, but I'm very grateful that there's zero issues now when it comes to Lightburn and Mac and it's working amazing. Yeah, yeah. Apple <laughs> yes. changed the, the goalposts a couple of times. Initially it was you had to be an approved developer 
Um, so, you know, we had to create a development account with Apple and get a digi digital signature set up and sign the software. That's not that hard. And it took us a little while to do. And as soon as we did it, then Apple decided, oh yeah, also now we need to take the application. You have to submit it to us. We do a scan to make sure that, you know, you didn't break any specific rules. It's, it doesn't yeah. contain malware, stuff like that. Yeah. And so they call that notarization. And mm. it took a while for us to get the QT framework and Apple and everything that we're doing together with those to go through that process. So that's the second part that now made your life easier. Yes, so. <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> and we have a, a comment in here, and I, I just wanted to make to show the users. There is a great forum that you have on your main page. It's a self-service portal to go through here, dig through. You can. I had to use it this weekend for something. I think it was like the split line or something. I don't remember what it was, but and you just go through here and search on some keywords, and you can probably figure out your answer. So. Uh, nice call out by one of our users on our on our live stream here of how useful this is. And then uh, I want to ask one more question. Someone put on here. They love the center finder feature um, as I, I love it, too. And someone asked here, how do you use it on a square rectangle piece? I, um, I'll just give my little tip. But you tell me what you you tell me what the you say, the circle, the circle finder works on squares or rectangles. If you just pick three of the corners. Yeah, that's, well, that's exactly what I do. <laughs> The math yeah. just works out. If you draw a circle yeah. that touches the four corners of a rectangle, it, it just works. So like the circle finder doesn't know you're doing a rectangle and the math just works anyway. Um, Correct. Awesome. So uh, before we go to things to come and start close out, what is your favorite feature of the type of features like that, that you like, okay, this one rocks and I use it a lot and it made a big difference if you have one. Um, gosh. Um, the Boolean tools are kind of my favorites. I feel like they're also among the least understood. Um, but uh, being able to, you know, merge shapes, subtract one shape from another, like I use those a lot when mm -hmm. I'm composing things together, like, you know, um, rather than node editing. Um, mm -hmm. two, two point rotate. Um, somebody somebody asked uh is there a way to be able to pick a specific spot uh to pivot um using the two-point rotate tool you can actually do that um so two-point rotate is you pick an object and you choose a point to rotate it from and you choose another point and then you grab that second point and drag it and it'll rotate around the first one until you match the second one so you can use it to like take two things grab one move it up to the other and then rotate it until they match and it will mm -hmm. also scale uh, so you can use it to scale match two things together. So it's it's a little bit like doing print and cut in Lightburn itself, like where you say, take okay. this second piece of the design and rotate it and scale mm -hmm. it to match the first piece. Um, I use that one. Um, I don't know. It, it, the bend text one was one that was that was fun. I love that one just because I made it and it, I don't know, special place in my heart. Well, that's um. awesome. So, so let's get to the what's to come for what you could share. We even have the first question on it. Someone's saying you're <laughs> 3D printers. <laughs> um, 3D printers is interesting. It's probably not one that we'll do anytime soon, just because there's a lot that already exists in that space. And mm -hmm. we wouldn't, we wouldn't do 3D modeling because that's, you know, kind of huge. So really what's left is slicing. And there's already really great slicing software out there that's free. So there's not a huge amount of reason for us to try it. Um, yeah. Where I want to go in the future is things like vinyl cutters, plasma cutters, water jet, mm -hmm. um, and CNC. And I think mm -hmm. uh, like vinyl cutters, if you've got a silhouette machine, being yes. able to run one of those or a GraphTech or a Roland or something yeah. like that um, with Lightburn using your Lightburn files would be really cool. Um, I've actually had a silhouette cutter working with Lightburn. Um, Stop it. No, I, I, I have, I have, believe it or not, not, not well <laughs> and not polished enough to release. Um, but we're actually going to do CNC machines first. 
Um, I, so, hey, I'll beta test for the CNC one because I hate yeah, the CNC. Yeah, that's so, so exciting. I would like a CNC machine, but I don't want to build one right now. Yeah, um, you can buy them. So like uh, X-Carve, Shapeco, yeah, like sort of, they make, you know, sort of smaller hobby scale CNC machines oh. that are like kits. If you order from them, yeah. you don't have to necessarily build it. They come already. Yeah, mine is a Shapeco XXL and it, you build okay. it when it comes, but yeah. it's got it's, software. It's a kit. So you yeah, assemble yeah. it, but it's it's done for you. They've done all the engineering and everything else. And um, so those are kind of what we're targeting for the CNC version. Okay. So initially it's going to be probably not terribly competitive with, with what's out there already yeah, um, yeah. because, you know, it's going to take us a while to sort of ramp up the feature set, but we'll price it accordingly. Yeah. We'll be testing it, you know, a bunch. I, I'm excited to hear that. that that'll be of interest to me because... Yeah. You know, no, so me as well. That's where I started. So, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Well, listen, I, I want to be respectful of your time. We, we've almost, we're 55 minutes in. And I also want to give you some feedback. I, I really do appreciate that what you do for the laser community, not only for developing the software, but you're in a lot of the groups and answering questions. Yeah. You don't see a lot of, you know, owners of companies in there. Mm -hmm. and, and it can be vulnerable to you, right? You could have someone say, hey, and give you feedback you don't want to hear, but you're in there and you're, you know, with, with the community. So uh, I appreciate that. I, and I actually, I, I, I like the feedback, to be honest. And I think that that's yeah. important for us um, because if, if I hang out in those groups a lot, I see a lot of the pain points that people have. I see mm -hmm. the things that are frustrations. I, you know, hopefully I also see some of the good stuff where people are like, Hey, yeah. I made this awesome, cool thing. And you know, that feedback is great for us too. Um, when you're doing support, you get a really skewed worldview of the user base because mm -hmm. all the people who are coming to you are the ones who are having problems. And I want to see, yeah. you know, the success stories as well as the failures. Um, but I, I really do think it's important for me to be at least conscious of, you know, what what things people are frustrated by, you know, the yeah. things they're bumping up against, the friction points for them so that we can try to yeah. alleviate some of those. Um, and I also like to correct misinformation. So we see a lot of people will answer questions in Facebook groups from the hip. You know, it, there's a lot of, I want to answer fast, not necessarily correct. <laughs> Yeah. And, and I try to correct that stuff uh, as well. Um, and it's hard to keep up with, but uh, we yeah. do our best. Well, we, we, we love seeing your, um, you know, when you're interacting with, you know, the community and your honest opinion about things, we do value and see you as such a role model um, in, in the laser community. And so Thank it's you. nice to also see you kind of like being active as well and humanize you. And that's why we're, you know, we're here interviewing you and seeing what Jason is all about. And so it's a thank you so much for your amazing creation and continued developing and making our lives so much easier in the laser industry. And I know there's a lot more in there and I know you have a lot of, you know, dreams and aspirations you need to achieve, but I feel like you're just scratching the surface and you've created something great. So I'm really happy for you and your team and thank you for all you do. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Jason. And we'll see you in the Facebook groups and to the rest of the community. You can follow us online at, uh, at Laser Lounge Paint Ranch. And then May, give a plug out for your YouTube. Um, it's slowly growing. I am not as established as Alicia or maybe Jason uh, as Lightburn. Um, but yeah, May Designs. And Jason, where can we find you? I know we can find you in the forum for Lightburn. But anything else that we need to keep in mind? Um, mostly I'm in every group that I can find and, uh, we have the Lightburn forums are the only official place for, you know, interaction with us other than our support. So if you go to okay. support at lightburnsoftware.com, um, that's the, I need an answer. Um, yeah. the forums are, it would be nice to have an answer. So forums yeah. are community and we try to keep up, but it's hard. So if you absolutely have a question that, or a, a problem that you need resolved, uh, send us an email. And, you know, we ha uh, somebody asked, um, do we have a bunch of people helping us? And yes, we do. We absolutely do. Um, we have people in Australia, New Zealand, uh, the UK, um, at multiple time zones across the US. Um, mm -hmm. So like we have people who do contract support for us um, so that we can sort of hit people wherever they are in the world and try to get questions answered quickly. So 
those are, you know, those are the two avenues that we recommend. And then, you know, if I happen to see a question in a Facebook group, I'll answer it if I can. Um, but I, I can't always. So um, you if they want to support you in other ways <laughs> on top of buying your software, let's say they want to support your merchandise, where they, where can they get that? Oh, that's lightburnsoftware.com. Okay, so. cool. Oh, uh, we good. actually have one. Oh, damn. I'm, I'm not actually supposed to talk about this yet, but on the third of third of uh, March, we are mm -hmm. going to be announcing a thing that we're doing, and people should keep an eye out for that. I, I think I almost right. jumped the third gun. March. So. Well, okay, <laughs> third of March. That. There's your teaser. <laughs> so, Owena, thank you for being on today, Maine. I had a great uh, time talking to you, and as she said, it's great to, to get you know you. I think when we have people that have great companies, there's a lot to do with how they are as a person in their side, right? Like you're very creative and artist. You're into animals and being outdoorsy. So it's nice to get to know you. And so thank you for coming on today. Thank you to our show sponsors, Thunder Laser USA and Rotoboss Rotary Attachments. And y'all have a wonderful last Monday of the month, right? We're about to start the third month yep. of the first quarter. So get out there and sell those products and, and uh, get to doing. So y'all have a wonderful day and see you next time.